Hey everyone, and happy 4th of July. Welcome to episode 272 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen, with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by landscape photographer, Andrew Baruffi. I actually learned about Andrew and his work after seeing his submissions to the Natural Landscape Photography Awards last year, and since have followed him and his journey closely. When I saw he was releasing a book with his work, I knew that I wanted to have a chat with him on the show. I wanted to provide a trigger warning for listeners. Andrew and I had a heartfelt discussion about his struggles with depression and suicidal ideation and photography's role in his ability to deal with those struggles. So if that subject might disturb you, you might want to listen another time. Well, before we get started, I wanted to remind listeners that we have set up a goal to reach 200 supporters on Patreon this summer, and I need your help in doing so. I know with gas prices going up, it's really rough for everyone right now, but if you can help us by supporting the show on Patreon, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you to everyone who already is. You're the best. Okay, let's get to this week's show. Andrew Baruffi, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I've been uh, following your work for quite a long time. It's been fun interacting with you on Twitter and other places and big fan of your photography. So I think this should be a fun chat. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So for for people that that aren't familiar with you and your photography, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, Andrew Baruffi grew up in um, southern Utah originally from Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, my parents and my sisters and I, we moved to uh, Southern Utah when I was about 10, kind of a better education, um, but uh, also like more connection to the outdoors for us. Yeah. Um, I live in Rochester right now with my partner, Tessa. She's getting her PhD at U of R, University of Rochester. Um, we're here for the moment and hopefully we can head back out West where both of our families are. Um, yeah, I've been doing photography, photography for about since 2019 is a, you know, it's a hard one to kind of nail down, but doing it for a little while. And my work is kind of centered on, I used to call it like intimate details, but now I kind of move towards small scenes. Um, sure. Yeah. But yeah. And really you're, uh, you're, you're holding the fort down at REI right now. Yeah. Holding the fort down at REI. Um, my sales lead at, for the camp department here at REI in Rochester, uh, it's a blast. It's really fun just working with people, outfitting people for the outdoors, all the yeah. people that are coming going to Utah. And I'm just like, yeah, I know the place. <laughs> Let's work it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a lot of photographers that come in and talk to you? Oh, tons. You know, with, with Kodak here and then, um, you know, all the birders, because this is a huge, like, wildlife bird migratory area. Um, okay. Just tons of people come in. You know, it's, it's wild. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I feel like every area I've ever been into – there's been like pictures of the, you know, the people that work there and like what they're into with like descriptions and stuff. Do you yeah, guys yeah, yeah. have that? We sure do. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's cool. mine's just a little, little old me in front of a big old Canyon and Zion and all the fall color. And yeah. Nice. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, let's, let's just dive right in and talk about uh, your journey into photography. I'd love for you to talk about how you found yourself doing photography. Gotcha. Yeah, it was, it was, it's a hard question. Um, cause I just don't know where to start. Um, 
you know, where do you, do you start with like when I first picked up a camera, when I kind of got a little bit more serious into it, or like when I really, you know, started doing it every single day. And I was, you know, like, what do you say when you, when people ask you that question? I, yeah, I mean, I typically talk about how, like, I used to dabble a little bit and then yeah. I started climbing mountains. I had this goal of climbing the highest hundred mountains in Colorado and I wanted to take pictures of every trip I went on and mm-hmm. for like, for blogging, like I did these trip reports, you know? Yeah. And that's how I got into photography as I was, you know, bring my camera along on those hikes. And before I knew it, the photography started taking over more than the hiking did. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I picked up a camera in 2013, um, kind of just played around with it for a while. Then I kind of get, got into like Milky Way photography. And the reason I went into Milky Way photography was like folks really enjoyed like pictures of the stars. They thought like, how can a camera capture that? That's wild. You know, and it, it kind of made you like a photographer in their eyes. But for me, it was just kind of like, at least in my experience, like photographing the same thing over and over again with different subjects in front of it. And, you know, yes. kind of dull, dull <laughs> after a while. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I think like uh, kind of 2019 came around and and uh, and that's when I just really got into it and, you know, exploring a new place and really falling in love with a new place. And um, I just consistently did it every single day. And all I can think about is photography. And it's you think maybe it's a bad thing, but I don't know. I, I see it as a good obsession in a way. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. it certainly keeps you out of trouble, right? For sure, yeah. <laughs> so is it so is it a, something that you practice on a daily basis? Pretty much, yeah. I, really? I'm always either watching videos or tinkering with my camera, like just, I don't know, even just playing with the buttons, you know, um, just taking random test shots, going outside in the early in the morning or just something always with the camera. I always just, I don't know what it is. I just adore it so much. Interesting. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I like, I can go weeks and weeks without even picking the camera up. And, but yeah. I'm also, you know, with the podcast and everything else I'm involved in, like, it's a huge part of my life. But the mm-hmm. actual practice of making photos um, is probably more like a couple times a month at most. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Which is why I asked the question because I, I mean, I, I'm sure I could do that, but, um, and I remember when I first bought my first, you know, serious camera, like mm-hmm. I took it literally everywhere with me, but no, you know, now it's like, mm, I mean, I mean, I have it close to yeah. me, but <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'd rather write about photography than just go take a picture of my backyard nowadays. For sure. Yeah. But that's me. Yeah. We're all different. All, exactly. It's all subjective. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us what it was like growing up in uh, Cedar City, Utah, and being so close to Zion National Park. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I mean, when we moved from Vegas, I was I was a very interior kid. I, I really did video games. I cared about materialistic things like fashion and, and you know, video games and, and shoes and watches. And that's all I really cared about. And um, it wasn't until... Um, kind of like I finished high school, finished um, college, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. for about a year in 2018. Um, I worked for National Geographic, not as a photographer, but um, in their museum exhibitions. And um, it, I just kind of realized how content I was with kind of a boring life. I don't know. 
even National Geographic, I hate to say it, but it was a really boring job. Um, and I was just, I was totally on board with like going down that path and just really not branching out from what I was doing. Um, I just finished my degree. So I was like, ah, I guess we'll do this and we'll, we'll figure it out from here. Um, kind of lasted about eight months. And then for like some personal financial reasons, had to move back to, to Southern Utah. And, and that kind of put me into this kind of regression and, and feeling of depression. And um, that's when I started really focusing on photography, really focusing on my camera. Before then, I was just practicing every now and then, you know, doing random shots. But that's when I really honed in, you know, going to Zion and, and really just focusing in on it. Um, but Southern Utah, I mean, growing up there, it's, it's wild. It's, you don't realize what you have until I know. <laughs> it's just five national parks within three hours of each other. It's just, it's, I don't know, like people will, people travel all the world, you know, just trying to get to these places that are just right in my backyard, you know, and I, as a kid, I never cared about it, but you know, finally I, I, I realized, you know, through photography that the, these places are incredible. And, you know, even living here in Rochester, it's, you don't have the same nature out here. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so you didn't, so you didn't really necessarily grow up with a huge appreciation for nature. It's something that no. uh, you, you kind of grew into once you moved back. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, you know, like seeing how, I don't think you realize how like mistreated these places are and when you're like a kid and then you, then you go as an adult and you're just like, wow, all of the vandalism and trash and litter. It's just, it's insane what right. people do to these places. And I don't know, it's just disgusting. Yeah. How has that realization impacted uh, your photography? Well, I try when I, when I do my, my photography trips, I do, I try and do a fall and a winter trip nowadays, you know, so, now so, since I'm not so close. Um, and when I go, I try and do equal amount of photography, equal amount of cleaning up the park, destroying Karens, you know, as, as best I can. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of therapeutic in a way to kind of go f- for photography, but also to just care for the park fully mm. because this, yeah. you know, this park means so much to me and I care for it so deeply. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that that care and that, uh, time that you're spending and cleaning up translates into having a deeper appreciation of the place. Mm-hmm. For sure. You know, and it's, I mean, I think Edward Abbey called it uh, Zion National Parking Lot. You know, people were always you know, yeah. complaining about the crowds, complaining about how this place was nothing more than just a road through a canyon. But it's like, it's so easy to escape the crowds and so easy to care for this place and see the beauty and the natural, you know, natural details of this place, you know, right. this grand landscape. Yeah. How has that uh, deeper appreciation influenced your work? Well, now I kind of I kind of focus on those smaller scenes. What I would use, what I used to call the intimate details, um, uh, and I just kind of focus on the ice. I kind of focus on the oils of Zion. You know, the little scenes people just walk over. Um, I feel like they're quiet. You know, they're quiet little moments that not many people get to experience. And I try and capture those and really share those with folks um, through both images and words. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good tie-in here. I know that you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, but also in our correspondence, you talked a bit about being in somewhat of a suicidal depression. And, you know, first I want to say that must be an incredibly difficult issue to live with. 
But I'd love for you to talk about um, what that's been like for you, just in general. Yeah. Um, Coming back from DC in 2018, um, I got back on December 5th, 2018. And my birthday was on December 7th, 2018. Um, And I remember like driving back from DC to uh, Cedar City, Utah. I was kind of just happy. I was happy to go back home. You know, I kind of had this slight fear of like going back, regressing, you know, living with the parents, living in my parents' basement, you know, oh, I failed with life, you know, after I graduated college. And, um, but the entire time there, I was, I was completely fine on that drive. And then right, like once I got to the exit to Cedar City, Utah, I just felt this just darkness fall over me. Um, I remember like parking up on the driveway and, and walking in and, and just trying to be there with my family, you know, that haven't seen me for like a year um, and trying to, you know, connect with them. Um, but it was so difficult because all I wanted to do was just cry. And um, I remember going down in my basement and just um, going down to my room that wasn't set up yet, wasn't ready yet, and just losing it, you know, just completely just falling apart and just falling to pieces. And I didn't really know what to do. You know, I knew I kind of wanted to, to do photography to kind of focus on nature since that's something I just didn't appreciate as a kid. Um, and, uh, two days later on my birthday, um, I was having just a huge depressive episode and I decided that day was going to be my first day. I was going to go to Zion. Um, it was a place I didn't appreciate as a kid, didn't really care for it. Um, I always appreciated Cedar breaks and Bryce Canyon way more. Um, and I remember that day I just explored the park, you know, just, you know, taking little shots on my phone and, and drinking coffee on rocks, just taking hours to just enjoy the place. And, um, yeah, it's just every single day was, was tough, you know, from basically from that day until about, I would say middle of, of 2019, maybe close to the end of 2019. Um, it was just every single day was just a gamble of how I wanted to kill myself. You know, is it going to be a gun today? Is it going to be you know, is my car going to just go off this guardrail into, into the ditch? You know, Hey, look, look at that, you know, 500 foot drop. What happens if I just jump right off? You know, um, it was tough. Um, um, but photography just kind of kept me through it. Um, that my family and my partner, Tessa, um, yeah, it's just, it was, it was tough. Well, I'd love to hear you talk more about how nature photography has helped you cope with those challenges. Yeah. So, it really, it was just kind of, I, I mean, I was starting to get into photography, so I really didn't understand it fully yet. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I was just kind of learning it um, as I was going through. And I was starting, you know, as I was starting to pho- photograph there, I was starting to photograph on like grander scenes, you know, really honing on, in on the grand landscapes of, of Zion, you know. Um, but it's, it's really um, the small scenes that kind of capture me over time. You know, there's little vignettes in the landscape, but yeah, I, I just, I couldn't help but just lose myself in the place as I was learning photography. Um, was some yeah. of it for you, it seems like it might've been just a really healthy distraction from yourself a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. that was, that was a lot of like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you ever, have you played video games? You know, yeah, man. I um, <laughs> extensively. <laughs> fortunately, well, fortunately, I don't, I don't, maybe not, unfortunately, but yeah. Uh, when I was in college, I started playing a game called Asheron's Call, mm-hmm. which was kind of like EverQuest, sort of. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and then after that, I got really into World of Warcraft. Mm-hmm. And I played that like obsessively for probably, I don't know, six or seven years or something. Yeah. Like to the point where I didn't want to go on dates with my wife or do anything ex- on a Friday night except for mm-hmm. go on raids with my clan, you know, all this mm-hmm, yeah. stupid stuff. For sure. Yes. Yeah. So I burned, I burned a lot of time playing video games. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I always thought of like that distraction and mental in my mental health and, and going to Zion as kind of like video games from my past. Whereas like you can escape this reality that you're living right now, this horrible reality and kind of play something else. You know, you can do something else. And Zion was that huge distraction for me, Zion and the Southern Utah area. And just a lot of it was just my car. You know, my car was like my temple. You know, that was, that's where I went to, to scream and yell and cry and just feel what I needed to feel. Um, and I would just drive and drive and drive constantly. Ah, yeah. And that was um, not that long ago. No, no, 2019, you know. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because now I, I think about my photography and I, I think about, you know, what I've done and, and where I'm at right now. Um, it's, it's weird because I wouldn't be who I am without that depression, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right that depression is exactly who, what my photography is, you know, and I, I kind of have to thank my depression because of that, have to thank for those suicidal moments for pushing me in this direction. And it's just this constant thing in my mind of like, is that okay? Am am I doing the right thing? You know, should I build a new identity? Should I stick with what I'm doing? And it's just questions constantly. Interesting. Yeah. How does that translate when you're in the field? I mean, is that something you're, you're conscious of or, you know, the questions and the, I, I, th- I think about it. I, it's, it's mainly memories now, you know, cause with those constant trips back to Zion for fall and winter, I just, I kind of re- revisit the same areas and think back to how I felt then and what I'm feeling now. Um, and I just am so grateful that I don't ever have to feel that way again. You know, I would rather feel any other pain, but that, um, just constant dwelling on, you know, just, I don't even know, just hopelessness. Yeah. And despair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm curious um, how your photography has transformed over time as your mental health outlook has evolved as well. Yeah. Um, I started writing stories to go along with my images. That was a big part of what I was doing. Um, I started with one image and one story and I was like, okay, maybe we should continue this. And um, the story started out as kind of like a grounding of my mental health and Uh, kind of a description of the day, a brief description, just kind of guiding people through the context of what this photograph kind of means to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it started that way for the first maybe six, seven, eight months. And then all of a sudden, and I remember telling my partner Tess about this, that um, there was a point where I was like, I wasn't writing about mental health anymore. I wasn't writing about how I was doing. I was just writing about Southern Utah, the scene, the atmosphere, what I was trying to convey with this image. And I, I, consciously noticed that and I was like, that's, that's weird. You know, like I'm not feeling this way anymore where I need to constantly guide myself in this direction of understanding my mental state. I just need to focus on photography and the composition and light. And it was this very just healing moment, you know, where I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is beautiful. Like, I don't, I, I'm kind of forgetting that pain, that constant worry in my head. I'm curious, um, when you look back on the images that you created when you were in the darker 
place. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they do those looking at those images bring up anything for you, or they or do they have a different kind of aesthetic than your current work does? That's a tough one. Um, honestly, I mean, I always took like um, like BTS stuff on my phone, um, and I would just constantly um, just kind of review, you know, videotape the scene that I was shooting, you know, behind the camera and everything like that. And it's something I've continued to do. Um, and I always think back to those behind the scenes moments. Like I never really, when I look at those videos, I don't really see myself. I don't like, cause I can't really see myself in the video. All I see yeah. is the camera and the scene. So I'm just, I'm like, Oh, that's a wonderful, beautiful little scene that, you know, good, good job me. That's, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I don't really think about how my mental state was at that time. It's only being in that place without a camera, like in front of me where I kind of notice, oh, this is where I felt like that. Gotcha. And what about the the photographs themselves? Have they have they evolved through that process of healing or um... Yeah. I mean again, yeah, starting kind of with like the the grand landscapes and then moving more towards those smaller scenes. Um because it was it I mean it was that entire idea of learning. You know, I was I Zion was this wild place to me, you know. I remember the first time I saw a great blue heron there, I was like, what is that dinosaur? You know, it's not, that's not a bird. That bird isn't possible. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I was just constantly taking the grander landscape. And then I, I kind of realized, oh, you know, it's this, these details that support all of this that make it beautiful. And that's what I need to focus on. Not necessarily this big stuff that everybody photographs, maybe this little stuff that might be worthy of something. Right. I mean, you, you said earlier that, that your, your photographs and your work are very much a statement piece on that battle with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious as a viewer, uh, what should I be, how can I connect that to that experience when I look at your work? Yeah. I mean, pretty much it all comes down to the words. Um, okay. writing a story with every single image uh-huh. is, I, I always appreciate and thank the folks who um, read the words as well as enjoy the image um, because I, I truly believe that the words matter as much as the image to me. Um, I, and it's something I, I do want. I wish a lot more photographers did, you know, really just give a story behind their images and because and, I want to know more. I want to know how they felt in that moment. I want to know, you know, what they had for breakfast. I want to know what the weather was like, you know, um, and it's just, it's, it's those words that really just shine a light on more, more so on the photograph than just a photograph itself. You know, I know a picture is worth a thousand words, but I don't know. I love it. I love words. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very much the same way as you. Like, yeah. Uh, some of my favorite photographers don't usually put words in their photos. And I'm always like, oh, yeah. there's just, it's just <laughs> a little bit missing here that I wish there was, you know, more to hold on to. I mean, it's a beautiful yeah. It's a beautiful image, but like you could have made it an even more interesting experience to view it if there was some words to accompany it. So I totally know what you're saying. For sure. Yeah, they got those like gotcha captions and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I was I was curious as well. Um, you know, I think that struggling with depression would keep you from wanting to leave the house to make photos. Uh, yet it seems that this is something you feel like you must do in order to deal with it. So I'm curious um, how those two realities compete for your attention. 
Yeah, I, I knew pretty pretty clearly on that I couldn't be in the house um, when I got back to Southern Utah. Um, it just led to dark feelings and dark mindset and dark actions. And I knew I just needed to get out of the house no matter what. And um, every day, my family and I, we owned a coffee shop in Cedar City, Utah. Um, and I would open the store, open the coffee shop, and then I would go till about one o'clock and then I would kind of go outside till night. Um, and it was in that afternoon moment that I would kind of go to Zion. I would go to Coral Lake Sand Dunes, Capitol Reef, Bryce Canyon, any place near, um, up in the mountains, anything, um, just to kind of escape. Cause I knew I had to stay away from the house, um, in order to keep my mind straight, keep my mind right and keep creative. Um, I, I remember my dad, he told me, you know, the best thing for you is work. And, um, it's, it's something I really appreciate now. Didn't appreciate in the moment because I was not, I was not doing okay. You know, constantly having talks with him, constantly just, you know, crying my eyes out, losing it in front of him and just, you know, asking what, what, what can I possibly do to not feel this way? And, um, you know, he just said work, you know, work's the best thing for you. And that's what I would do. I'd go to work and then I would go photograph, try and be creative, come back home, have some dinner, go to sleep, do it all the next day, you know, just constant work. And, um, yeah, that's really what kept me out of the house and I needed to stay out of the house. Gotcha. So it wasn't so much that you had any problems having motivation. It was more of like, I have to do this or else I know something really bad is going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any one or more images that, um, are more special to you in terms of helping you through this process that you might want to talk about. Yeah, um, probably my first image was actually of the heron that I, I saw in Zion. And I remember, you know, when I first saw a heron, I was like, oh, what is this? Um, <laughs> right, me I, too. <laughs> I, yeah, what the hell is this thing? There's a dragon! <laughs> exactly. And uh, I remember um, I really bonded with this heron. Um, we became good friends. And I know it's the same heron because it's always in the same spot over and over and over again. And it's a place in Zion I kind of named as Heron Bend um, unofficially. And um, uh, I would constantly go back to this spot and find the heron there. And there was this one photo I took that was called Self. And uh, it was just kind of detailing the, the idea of self-determination and independence and really um, adapting to your surroundings and adapting to what you're feeling in the moment, just like a great blue heron does. Um, and it was really that subject of the heron and that photo that really opened a whole different world of Zion to me, you know, dealing with reflected light, dealing with cool tones from the ambient sky, dealing with wildlife and kind of dealing, it kind of just forced me into that, that realm of going for the details rather than going for the grand landscape. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things I feel like you're kind of known for is you have a lot of these images that, uh, you know, it's like a fallen leaf. That's like, half captured in the ice, Mm -hmm. which I think can convey all kinds of abstract ideas or, you know, Mm -hmm. have be a metaphor for maybe being stuck in an ice prison or like, yeah, I'm sure you have all kinds of metaphors that you've thought of for For this stuff, but I'm curious, um, what is it about that particular subject that keeps you coming back? Yeah. Um, so I, I did a lot of like, uh, because my I majored in history in college, and I, I did a lot of English classes, and it was all about symbolism and all about metaphors and all about um, you know finding a deeper meaning. Um, and with these ice scenes, I try to 
always capture ice scenes of, of fallen leaves naturally. I don't like placing things. Um, not that I don't appreciate, you know, folks who, who place things, of course. But um, I always try and capture those just rare moments, those those scenes that don't seem like they're possible, but hey, they were, they were possible that day. Yeah. And you know, in that instant, and especially with ice, um, that in a few hours time or overnight, it's going to completely disappear. You know, nothing's going to be left or it's going to be completely different the next day, even though it could be still frozen right. um, or the leaf could be flown away, you know, and it's just, it's that beautiful frozen moment of time, um, just like a photograph many, many metaphors and symbolism, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's that idea of the delicate nature of these moments that sure we, we capture them, but do we really like think about them? Do we really go into them deeply and, and, and try and think about them in their whole state? What do, <clears throat> what are some of the metaphors that you've been able to weave into your your images and and how is how do those metaphors relate to your personal experience yeah well um i spent a lot of time up on the as well as in zion up on the markagun plateau just above my hometown of cedar city utah um there's a elevation difference of like four or five thousand feet um and you get to this point where it's just these gnarled spruces um kind of up on this on these meadow pastures and in the winter and even into like May season, you'll have these like five to 10 foot um, banks of snow. And it's these banks of snow that um, on like a windy day, you'll have like super hardcore um, like whiteout situations. And um, these gnarled spruces will actually take on this like minimalist structure. And um, I really kind of focused on these just kind of dealing with my like lonesome feeling in that moment. Um and these, I remember just standing like face to face with these gnarled spruces and constantly like, and not feeling alone. I felt like I had company in front of me. I felt like I was, I was with friends, you know, I, I'm not really a person with friends, <laughs> you know, I'm very solitary, you know, introverted person, but. Um, Imagine that I a find... nature photographer who's introverted. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're a rare breed. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I love that. I'm curious, you know, when you're out photographing, do the metaphors typically come to you in the moment or do they come to you later? Or what does that thought process look like? I mean, I'm guessing you're not like actively looking for metaphors, but I'd be mm -hmm. curious to hear your kind of your process in the field. Yeah. So I, I generally just look for things that catch my eye. Um, that's, I guess, what we all do. Um, and then you know, we go through the edit and then finally I will write the story because I always have to write a story with these images. Um, and when I write the story, I will kind of explain the day, explain how I'm feeling. And then I will always pick one word as the descriptor for the story. And that's what I will put as the title. Um, and it's kind of a word that either relates to the image or relates to the story itself. And um, it's just kind of this interesting take on combining these two. I'm not quite sure as metaphor, but maybe as this draw to each other that I'm trying to make. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I'm, mm -hmm. my, I feel like my thought process is pretty similar. Um, I don't always, I'm not always able to make the connection, you know, like yeah. <laughs> sometimes there's just not a metaphor to be had. It's tough. Um, yeah. But I would say, at least from my own perspective, that storytelling piece or that metaphor 
um, or that um, a photo's ability to um, talk about or be about something more than what it actually is literally. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's kind of the gold standard uh, for what makes a, a can, can make for a really excellent nature photo. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's not easy. No. Finding those um, metaphors is tough I've, <laughs> at the best of times. I feel like it's easier to, to, um, to convey those metaphors though, in some of those smaller scenes for some reason. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, like leaves suspended or, or the ghost of a leaf in, in oil, you know, you can, um, you can always think about these things. And I mean, I think back to a photo I just took, it's called phases. Um, it's kind of this ghost leaf, um, in this kind of pool of frozen oil. And I just think about like, you know, the decay of fall as, you know, a leaf fell into this puddle and now we're at the end of winter. And now this leaf is completely, you know, a ghost of what it was now, you know, in this ice of suspended oil and soon it will just be oil and water, you know, nothing more. And then we'll move on and we'll do it again. You know? Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm super curious. Cause like, as you're talking, people, uh, listeners, don't know this but like as you were describing that you had this huge smile on your face and i'm i'm guessing that when you're out in the field um finding these types of scenes that it's bringing you a tremendous amount of joy and happiness just making those connections absolutely yeah i I always um there's this word i keep coming back to it's giddy always (laughs) like just giddiness that i feel when i and it's it's something that kind of goes back to my milky way photography days Sure. You know, when I'd Absolutely. find a subject, you know, and then you take this image on the back of your camera in complete darkness and you're like, wow, that actually worked. This is incredible. And I'm actually enjoying this at 3 a.m. in the morning, you know, right. I can't wait to go to bed. Um, but um, yeah, I, I always think to back to that, that word of giddy and just, it's something I, I don't think I'll ever lose. You know, it's, it's, it will always infect my photography. Um, even when I'm going through darker moments and, you know, mental health. Yeah, that was the piece I was actually going to ask you about is um, if that that attitude or reaction to natural moments is able to kind of pierce through some of that those darker times for you. Yeah, I mean, again, it was it was a huge distraction, you know, just doing all this constantly. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was um, it was just really needed, you know, that happiness, those little happy moments that you get. Yeah, because, um, man, you know going through something like that is there's nothing good to think about, you know, constantly. Yeah. It's just every single thought is a dark thought and you're just grasping for any potential of happiness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm also curious about how that mental status impacts or not um, the way that you edit your photos. Yeah. Um, I, I edit my photos the same Every single time, you know, I, I move the sliders the same amount, every single image. I don't know what it is about me, but maybe I found some magic thing, but I really, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Just simple edits, you know, contrast to 30 whites to 30 blacks minus 30, you know, um, (laughs) my, my edits really don't change much and they haven't changed in a long time. Um, I, I also, kind of focus on numbers a lot more now. I'm not sure what this has to do with anything, but um, like it always has to be either a perfectly odd number or a perfectly even number. Yeah. I I mean, you're going to have one of the two, but you know, like 
it has to be like a 13 or a 30, you know, no matter what. And it's just, my brain is just numbers nowadays. And just, and it really just, it kind of goes back to my edit. I don't know why, but this is, you know, it, it, it affects how I, you know, work at REI too. It's like, we always need to pick up certain radio, a certain set of keys, a certain phone, and all mine have to be odd numbers no matter what. And I don't know what it is. <laughs> I mean, that almost sounds a little bit OCD to me. Yeah, a little bit. I got to say, yeah, it's probably that clinged on a little bit. <laughs> yeah. How has your uh, how has your photography journey intersected with your job at REI? I'm just curious. That was kind of a tangent, but yeah, I mean, I knew I always wanted to be somewhere, you know, in the nature field. I mean, outdoor retail isn't quite the same, but um, it's close. Um, and it, it, it has affected my photography. You know, people ask, you know, where I'm from, what do I do? And I always say I'm a photographer from Southern Utah. And they're like, oh, Southern Utah, why are you here? My partner, she's getting her PhD. And we go off in the same loop over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, but uh, photography-wise, I mean, people tend to focus on um, wildlife out here more than anything else. And that's kind of what I felt like I need to focus on as well. Um, it's kind of pushed, you know, the lenses I buy, the cameras I invest in. And um, it's, it, you know, if I was to go back to Zion, I wouldn't need, you know, a wildlife lens or I wouldn't need these, these certain type of cameras, you know. Um, so Rochester and REI really kind of pushed me in this direction I'm not fully comfortable with, but I'm excited to explore more, you know, and, and it's my mental health is fairly stable at the moment. So I'm, I'm feeling quite okay. Most days, you know, some days worse than others, but sure. um, it's, it's just constantly doing photography is always a help, you know? Yeah. Well, maybe that's a good segue uh, to talk about your new book that you've just been um, put out. Um, I believe it's called heal. It is. Um, so what is your book about? And uh, what can our listeners expect when they get their own copy? Yeah, so Heal is about um, that year of 2019 into 2020, about fall 2020. Um, and it's 49 images and 49 essays of um, kind of my journey, you know, um, kind of this journey through mental health. And um, it's, a, it's kind of this collection of, you know, both images that mean a lot to me, but also stories that mean a lot to me. Um, and it was this... It was this interesting thing of of combining these two because I needed to focus on images that I liked, but also focus on stories that I liked. Not necessarily both working together all the time, mm-hmm. um, but to create a cohesive context, but also create a pleasing photo book was very interesting and very difficult. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's it's an absolutely beautiful book, and I'm really really proud of of what we've done. Um, and it's just mainly completely um, focused on Zion and Southern Utah, um, and focusing on those smaller scenes. You know, a few grand landscapes in the beginning, of course. You know, as we move through, but really focusing on the details of a place and why this place is special, and celebrating these these beautiful places that we need to care for and and need to love. Want to talk about the cover photo? Oh yes, the cover photo. Um, it was designed by my mom. Uh, she uh, took an image of mine and she traced it out, and uh, we had it debossed onto the front. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, it's a picture of a heron, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just 
I, I wanted something that was kind of like an imprint, you know, just very slight, very sudden, very subtle. Um, and uh, it's on this rich sandstone tone cover. It's just a beautiful, beautiful cover. And I just wanted it to be Southern Utah at its core. Cool. And uh, how many pages is it? 104, I believe. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. So what what has the bookmaking process been like for you uh, with with through through the just the whole process? Yeah, so I've been working with uh, Jerry Greer out of Mountain Trail Press. Um, we're under our, um, a new branch of his called Platinus Editions, um, and my book is one of the first in there. Um, and uh, Jerry's been incredible. You know, I can't I can't say enough. I re- back in June of twenty twenty one. I, um, I kind of put out on Instagram on a little story. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm looking to get a book published. Does anybody know anybody know anything? And Richard Burnaby actually, um, responded to me and, you know, we really never talked before, you know, occasionally here and there. Um, but he just, he said, Hey, Jerry Greer, Mountain Trail Press, tell him I sent you, you know? (laughs) And I was like, okay, cool. So I sent him an email and, and we got started on this whole process and just, it's been so simple, so easy and everything's been incredible. Um, it's just a beautiful product is what we have and I'm so excited for it. And, um, it's, it's interesting because I don't really like sharing my story for the most part in terms of like, you know, speaking about it. I, I generally write a lot more. Sure. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been interesting like telling people about it and mm-hmm. that's, you know, I give them one or two or three sentences and I'm kind of like, yep, that's it. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> and you know, my introverted self kicks in. But, uh, yeah, you know, just, it's been such a great journey. You know, it's been a long one that, that year long of just constantly going through tests, cover tests, um, CMYK stuff has been so much, but it's, it's here. It's here and it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. We, uh, we're using Jerry for the natural landscape photography awards, um, award book and yeah, you're right. It's a very long process, um, it is. but but like you know, that's because he wants it to be perfect. Yeah, you know, it's worth it in the end for sure. Right, and you know, yeah. not just some cheap, you know, Shutterfly book that yeah. you just ship off to your parents for mm-hmm. whatever. But like, it's you know, the the difference I think is worth the, the worth the wait mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the quality is incredible. Um, yeah, I'm just absolutely smitten with it. And are you, you're still kind of in the whole pre-orders phase here? Yes, we have, well, two days left on the pre-orders coming out June 1st. Okay. Um, yeah, that's when pre-orders end and then I'll start shipping them out to people. But, uh, yeah, still in the pre-order phase, but it's going well. And, um, they're all slowly coming to Rochester, but we're getting there. You know, parents have two pallets back at home, so. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. And um, how many copies did you make? We have a thousand. Thousand. Okay. Cool. Yep. Nice. That's a nice little investment. Yeah. Well, that's we'll see. We'll see if it uh, fully pays off. But I'm hoping. You know, I got high hopes. Yeah. How the pre-orders <laughs> gone? Pretty well. Very well. I'm. Uh, I'm very shocked by the pre-orders. I would say. How much? How much is it? Uh, full price. It is uh, forty nine ninety five. Full price. Cool. Yeah, plus shipping and handling. Sure. No, that's yep. perfect. So I'm guessing you have to sell like, I don't know, two or 300 to kind of just cover cost. 
Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then we do have like a special kind of limited edition that includes a print. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Limited edition print. And those are only a hundred of those are available for uh, 99 uh, plus shipping and handling. But, Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, what, what tips would you have for others that are, might be looking to curate their own work um, and put it into some kind of book? Ooh, I would, I would say know what you're getting into first. Um, especially if, yeah, (laughs) from multiple (laughs) aspects, but, um, if, if you're looking to make a photo book or if you're looking to make a combination of like words and images, um, because like my problem was, you know, having words that I needed that had to be in the book and then images that also had to be in the book and really constantly throwing some in and throwing some out. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's. It was a really long process for me. I mean, the book was practically written. I mean, I, I wrote all of these out on Instagram posts and I post them with the images as I went along in this journey. So I remember when I got together with Jerry, I was like, this book is already written. So we just need to get it done. Um, you know, awesome. We just got to get the images in. Yeah. So it was, it was nice and easy, but, you know, having it edited and all the words and everything. And um, yeah, I would say just understand what you're getting into. You know, if, if you're doing photos, awesome. Focus on the photos. If you're doing words and images, you really need to understand what the context of the book you're trying to create is. Um, because your words are going to matter as much as the images in that book. Right. Yeah. I'm always personally, I, I actually really enjoy books that have more words, you know, probably like 50, 50, maybe, mm-hmm. but that's just because I like kind of like we were talking about earlier. I just, I like to know what, what the connection is with that image for that photographer, you know, like beyond mm-hmm. just the fact that it's a good photo. Like I want to know way more, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cool, man. Well, I guess one last thing, you know, last year for the natural landscape photography awards, you submitted uh, a highly commended uh, project to the, to the competition. And I would love for you to tell us about your project and uh, why you decided to enter. Yeah, I, I'm. I was. It was a breath of fresh air to to have natural landscape photography awards in. I mean, that was that was a wonderful competition. Um, the the absolute talent of the photographers are just is just stunning. You know, it's incredible what's out there. Um, and um, I was so fortunate to have my my project commended among the amazing projects that were out there. Um, uh, but my project was based on kind of the delicate ice of Zion. You know, something that I, I felt was somewhat unique to me. Um, and I really wanted to emphasize that in the competition. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was, it was tricky trying to curate those images because I mean, they're all ice and leaves and reflected light. It was, it was very samey type stuff and trying right. to like put that on a level of 10 images that kind of look different. And, you know, I was always wondering, Oh, maybe I should put them in this order. I don't know if it's going to matter, but who knows? <laughs> we'll see. Um, but I just, I kind of went with my gut on it and just was hoping that, you know, people were going to see exactly what I was trying to convey with these images. Um, yeah. And I was just absolutely thrilled with the results, you know? And yeah. I mean, Did you have any expectations wonderful. of how you would, how you would do in the competition? I had pretty high expectations. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I figured, I, you know, first year of a competition, I was like, okay. You know, I'm going right. to put up my big guns. You know, are they going to really... have like 10 people enter this thing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's going to be, it's going to be, 
knock them far because it'd be great. Um, but uh, yeah, um, as as it went on and as it kind of got bigger and broader and people were sharing it a lot more, and I was like, okay, cool, we're leveling out those emotions. You know, my partner's um, birthday was actually the day the um, awards were announced. Oh, so, uh huh. I was like, oh, today's either going to be a great day or a really sad day for me, but it's going to be a great day for you. Um, but um, yeah, I saw that, you know, I got highly commended and I got, you know, fourth place photographer of the year. I was just like, that's, that's honestly wonderful. And, you know, it's incredible out of like, I don't know, what was it, a thousand, a few thousand people? Yeah, I and think I was, it was, was 1,300. Yeah. 1,300. Wow. Huge. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was, I was thrilled with the results and I can't wait to do it next year, this cool. year. Yeah. Was it two days? Two days. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the time this comes out, it'll be like a month in, but that's okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Well, awesome. Uh, what uh, What would you suggest to other people who might be on the fence about entering a competition like this? Do it anyway. I don't see the um, worry about it. I mean, of course, money's got to be a worry for some folks. I know some people don't have all the money in the world. Um, but if you think you have a chance, go for it, you know, and even if you don't think you have a chance and, you know, if you have these images that you're proud of and you're happy with, you might as well show them to folks, you know, you could surprise someone, um, if you think they're unique and original and, um, yeah, I think everybody deserves a chance. Yeah, no, that's, that's well said. Well, Andrew, who would you recommend our listeners know more about who should we have here on the podcast? Ooh, I mean, I mean, I gotta say, Josh Glacier would probably be my number one. Um, he's a young lad from the UK. Uh, he does some just beautiful, quiet, and detailed work from the UK, and I just always appreciate his work. Um, just incredible guy, incredible, incredible photographer. Um, then I would probably say um, Eric Erlenbush, um, E Visual. Um, I, I always say his photography is like the soul of Utah, uh, soul of Southern Utah, in, in, in particular. Um, like he just finds details that I don't think anyone's ever going to see, you know, stuff yeah. that people will never witness. Um, super, super unique too. Yeah. Just incredible stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, third would probably be Lauren Root. Um, he's a park city, Utah, large format photographer. Um, and I, I always have this um, story of how we met in Zion. Um, we were at Heron Bend in the, uh, main Canyon, which I mentioned, um, and I was kind of going up into the hills looking for fall color. And um, I ran across this person just on the hills and I was kind of descending down into it. And he was like, if I'm in your shot, you know, just yell at me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, perfect. You do the same for me. And we didn't really trade names or anything like that. It was kind of like I met a ghost. And then we just kind of went on part of our ways. And then, you know, through Ben Horn and, and I kind of learned that was, that was Lauren Root. And I was like, oh, incredible. You know, I've, I've heard about you in videos and, you know, and his, his work's just phenomenal, just incredible nice. stuff. Um, another, uh, another person I would recommend would be, uh, Ed Moss. Um, he's a deeply caring photographer and advocate for the desert Southwest. Um, he really cares about the condors and, um, nuclear radioactive waste in the oh, desert Southwest. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He does some incredible work and like deeply, deeply cares about these places. And I will always appreciate everything he does. And God, I'd, I'd love to hear more from him. You know, just him speak his story for sure. Yeah, I, um, I think a lot of people don't realize just how extensively the Desert Southwest was mined for uranium back in the 50s. 
um, yeah. 50s and 60s, I guess, probably. Yeah, it's but, nuts. I mean, it had a pretty profound negative impact on the Navajo down there, mm-hmm. like lots yeah. of cancer and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that's what his work really, really focuses on. And it's it's something that no one really, I don't really see a whole lot of photographers talking about in that area. So I'd love to, you know, I only love found to hear out, more from him. I only learned about that. Um, I did a two-day trip to Hunts Mesa there near uh, Monument oh, yeah, Valley. Yeah. And one of our Navajo guides and I just went, just the two of us, like our whole group was like hanging out in the middle of the day. And he was like, does anyone want to go check out this arch? And I was like, uh, yeah. And no one else wanted to go for some weird reason. And he just told me all kinds of really cool stories. And Interesting. so, yeah, I highly recommend anytime you can be by yourself with a Navajo guide and just be able to totally immerse yourself in their culture is a really yeah. cool experience. Yeah, your stories you're never going to hear from anyone else, you know. Completely, yeah. It's, yeah. But yeah, he yeah. was showing me all the uranium uh, mining sites and all kinds of stuff. Jeez. Yeah. What an experience. Yeah. Wow. Love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, probably my last would be uh, Martin Gonzalez. Um, I always say he's a slow photographer in a good way. Um, everything Martin photographs is just so carefully framed and considered. Um, and I just, I truly appreciate his work and he's really inspired me in, in my work as well. And um, yeah, love Martin's stuff. Awesome. Yeah. I'm a, I like his stuff a lot too. And he's pretty active over in the discord channel that I'm a member of the landscape mm-hmm. photographers worldwide. So, oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So he's always, you know, there's a share your work channel in there and he's always posting like new stuff before it, you know, hits, hits the mainstream, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's fun. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, awesome, Andrew. This has been a lot of fun and I really appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and opening yourself up and um, talking about your, your journey and your process and just love to hear how photography has had such a positive impact on your life. And I think that that's pretty inspiring. Yeah. I appreciate you for listening, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks to Andrew for joining me on the podcast this week. I really am thankful for your willingness to open up about your challenges, and I'm so happy to hear about how nature photography has helped you. If you enjoyed Andrew and I's chat, you can listen to more bonus material on Patreon, where we discuss his strategies for naming his photographs. I also highly encourage you to check out Andrew's book, Heal, by finding a link to it in the show notes. Before we part ways, I wanted to reiterate just how great it is to see how active people are over on Nature Photographers Network again. David Kingham and Jennifer Renwick, two of my friends and the owners of NPN, are really breathing new life into the platform. One such example is the Ask Me Anything event that recently occurred with Sarah Marino, where she opened up her heart and mind and shared her journey with everyone on the platform. It was really a great event. I think you'll find that NPN has a lot to offer, so why not join? Check out the link in the show notes and let me know when you get there so that we can have a chat. Cheers. Well, next up on the podcast, we have a lively discussion with Jeff Shiwi. He was instrumental in shaping Lightroom and Photoshop back in the day. And so we had a really great conversation about what that looked like, what his role is, and how that those two programs have evolved over the years. I look forward to releasing that episode. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.